One of the things that AMFOS encourages its members to do is to constantly explore new things and push themselves beyond their comfort zones. Because we strongly believe that the ability to stick on and continue onward in any uncomfortable situation automatically sets us on the path to success. From the 2006 to 2010 batch, Varun Ramani is one of the members who exemplifies this idea of constant exploration and discovery. After the podcast, Pavitra and I were quite convinced that he's done pretty much everything from a computer science student's dream bucket list. Along with being involved in the Foster Conference and the Sun Code for Freedom, he was the first one to do the Google Summer of Code program in 2010. He also qualified for the ICPC regionals, participated in the PhD CTF in Russia, and made his way to becoming a security engineer at Google, where he is now. He also loves to hike, travel to different places, and has also completed an Ironman triathlon. So needless to say, we had an interesting conversation with Varunetan in the third episode of the Amphos podcast. An absolute pleasure to have you here on this podcast, Varunetan. A lot of alumni have been telling us constantly to get you here on the podcast and um, talk about your experience of how Amphos was back in um, 2008. So welcome. So glad to have you here. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So how is it in Seattle? Like, um, how is the weather there? How is your work? Um, yeah, I just moved to Seattle like uh, four months back. I can and from California, um, so California is more sunny, but here it's been a little bit more rainy. I'd say so. Like, oh, okay. yeah, so like I think uh, half the month is like rain, the other half is like no rain, but then it's really cold. So it's almost like uh, you know two to three degrees uh, Celsius. So, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, so yeah. that's where the heavy jackets as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Even in, I mean, I live in uh, Pune, so Maharashtra here in India. So right. it is cold. I can't imagine how cold it might be in Seattle. <laughs> I am already kind of freezing. <laughs> but yeah. What about you, Pravitra? How is the oh, my weather? Hand, like, I'm in Kerala. It's oh, super hot. And it's only going to get hotter now. So yeah. Excited <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, awesome. the rain is not new to you, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, Eton, so back in, let's go all the way back to 2008. And um, let, I mean, would you, how was Amphos back then? Like, what is your experience? Do you remember? <laughs> um, what is it like back in the early days? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I've been kind of thinking back and it's been like 15 years. And I'm like, what really happened back then? (laughs) Um, And how did it all start? Um, So I I really can't place exactly when it started. It seemed like something that just was started organically, Mm -hmm. like out of like Code for Freedom, uh, like, you know, which was this contest where uh, there were bugs uh, fixed in like, you know, various sun products. Um, So I think there were a lot of people like, you know, working on that. Um, A ton of students, um, and I, I remember hearing about that and I was interested in it. I was like, oh, what's open source? Like, what's this concept? Right. Um, and I supposedly fixed one bug in Open Solaris or something like that, uh, which is basically like a typo. Uh, and that was my contribution back then. 
Um, so that's when I heard about it. I got really interested in it. Um, and and again, I can't place exactly when it started. Was it like after? Was it before? But I think it's just organic. Um, and I think like a lot of us students was working who were working on open source, we, we were a pretty like tightly knit group. So like we knew what like everyone was working on really. It was pretty much like one small lab um, outside um, this uh, lab called the Amrita Research Lab. I'm not sure if it's even there anymore, <laughs> but uh, it was a really small lab. And like, you know, like I think 10 of us would work there at night. Um, and like we pretty much knew what everyone was working on. So I think that's how it kind of organically started and everyone got interested in open source. Uh, yeah, and things went from there. Awesome. So do you have any kind of maybe favorite memory about the club? Anything that comes to mind? <laughs> I mean, that that's that's a hard one, I'd say. Um, I think like most of my memories are like really good with the club. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun mainly because, yeah. you know, like we all like, like there were a lot of people involved and we all kind of really got along really well. Uh, and we used to stay late at night till like around 11 p.m. or so in the lab. And uh, yeah, I think it was mostly all those nights, like coding, but also having fun at the same time. Like, you know, having some jokes and, uh, you know, going out for chai, doing other things. Uh, So I think it was mostly the community aspect of it that I really enjoyed uh, with the club. Um, And I think the other experience is uh, the first conference that we hosted, like which was like Foster, I think. Um, and uh, I, again, I don't remember a lot of what happened then, but all I remember was it was a lot of fun because it was a ton of people like coming together to like start this conference out of like nothing. And somehow at the end of it, like everything just magically fit together and like it just came alive on the day of the conference. Uh, so yeah, I think that's one of my good memories from the FOSS Club as well. That's amazing. So, um, uh, I was curious. So, the club was really small back then, right? Like, it's not as big as it is now. So, how did you get to know about the club? Was it like through word of mouth, or did Vipinsa approach you? Like, how did it work? Uh, yeah, I, I think like we were pretty like closely involved with Vipinsa. Um, so, I mean, a bit of background before all this started was. Um, I think like none of us were allowed to have like laptops till like second year of college. So first year, like, yeah, we couldn't even have laptops. Yeah. So like we couldn't even work on a computer and I was like, how am I going to learn all this without access to a computer? I'm a computer science major. (laughs) Um, So like Vipinsar, of course, like I think Vipinsar joined Amrita around the same time we started as well. And he started providing us access to computers. Like he had an office and then he would actually let uh, like Avinash and me work from the office uh, at times. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, we would work there. um, And yeah, I think that's how um, we uh, we really started. Uh, So I I can't remember now. What is the actual question? (laughs) Like how did you first get to know about the club? Or like... I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So it's probably just word of mouth. Like Vipin, sir, you know, like decided that it's a good idea to start a club. And we were like, yeah, I mean, we went along with pretty much everything Vipin, sir, started. There were so many clubs, right? There's like BIOS, like SPOS. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also like, uh, like a club called Mindscape, 
uh, which like, you know, we used mm-hmm. to like screen documentaries um, within the campus. Uh, that was a fun thing as well. So I think most of this was just word of mouth and, um, you know, just joining the bandwagon, really. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah, I, I think um, when you're talking about the community aspect um, about the club, that still is and still is one of the, my most favorite parts of it. Um, even when we're online, we still kind of yeah. try managing um, to bring people together and kind of collaborate on a lot of things. And that community aspect still lives on even after 15 years. And I think that's <laughs> one of the most uh, redeeming aspects of um, Amphos. So Yeah, yeah. It's great to see that the club has like survived this long <laughs> and doing like great at it as well. Like so many students involved in it. Like every time I visit the campus and hear about, you know, all the activities of students, I'm like, wow, I wish I was that good in like my first year of college. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Varun Etan, um, after your journey through Amphos, is there anything um, that you, is there any kind of uh, skill or kind of um, learnings that you had which really stuck with you all this time from the club? Is there anything that um, was like yeah. that? Um, so, I mean, it's. I think it's just a lot of things. Like, I think a lot of things that I learned at the club kind of made me who I am today, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of basic skills, like, you know, how to do a like good Google search, right. um, you know, how to effectively like write things, like Mm-hmm. You know, even maybe like writing a presentation or like, you know, even a good document, right? Uh, all of those things you get within open source because there's like standards for everything. So you learn with some of the best people in the industry without being in the industry, right? Um, so I think just some of those like basic skills. I was also like very, like, I was not very confident with public speaking. So I think mm-hmm. just giving presentations in front of a large audience on a technical topic, right. like I think gave me a lot of confidence that, oh, okay, I can do this too. Um, so small things like that, I think made a big difference to me in my career going forward, because once I did start in the industry, I was way more confident already. So I could go ahead and like, you know, give presentations on any topic to my colleagues. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like maybe um, I mean they were, I'm surprised that, oh, I'm just like a new grad, but I already have these skills. So I think those are the things that I really liked about uh, being in the club. Right. I think that's really nice because those are some of the things that we're learning too, like the exact things that you just mentioned, like public speaking (laughs) and trying to uh, give a presentation on a technical topic. We have something like that called uh, FOSS Talks, where we kind of give a presentation on like um, a failed startup suppose so so we do that kind of every friday and that's like a really nice um aspect i'd love to be invited to that (laughs) oh yeah yeah actually it's not a bad idea yeah yeah yeah, that's actually yeah that's that's a good idea we should yeah it sounds like a great idea to learn about that (laughs) right right Hmm. so um eta you participated in the ibm great mind challenge right uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell um, us about what the challenge is and like your experience? Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a little bit of a long story, but um, so IBM Great Mind Challenge was this contest that was running. Um, I think it was over the period of a year. 
So you're kind of given six months to write an application. Like you choose an idea and then you have to write an application and then deliver it within like six months. Um, and then I think there's like thousands of teams across India like who are participating. Um, and then they choose the top 20 uh, or something like that. Um, and like they had to write like a J2 EE application. I mean, now it sounds ancient, like, you know, with like modern frameworks like React and Angular and stuff like that. Like, you're, I, don't even, I don't even know if you've heard of it, but <laughs> I mean, it does exist in a lot of companies. They still use it. Um, but uh, it was like server-side programming, mostly, uh, not a lot of client-side programming. Um, but um, yeah, we had to write the application. We had a team of four. Um, yes, I mean, and it took us like six months to do it. And I think we came in the top 20 at the end of it. Um, I don't remember exactly what place we were. <laughs> so I'm curious, what was the idea that you proposed? Yeah, um, so <laughs> it was an online uh, crime reporting system. Oh, so, wow. you know, if you have like your local, like, you know, municipality or something, like you can host like a local crime reporting system where you can go in and report a crime, mm -hmm. uh, file an FIR, uh, things like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, for us, like, I, I don't even know how we came up with that idea, <laughs> but it sounded a good idea at the time. Yeah, um, that, does, that does sound like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. So how, that so that experience, so that, is I from what we heard from Whipin sir, that was kind of like the first uh, challenge before, or at least the first win or like achievement um, before any kind of achievements uh, that came after that, right? I think that's the thing that kind of started it. Is what we heard from Whipin sir as well. Um, I think so. I'm not sure, <laughs> uh, but I think it was definitely like it felt rewarding to mm -hmm. to get it because like we had put up put in so much effort into it, right. and pretty much six I mean six months of like um, like undergrad life is like you're doing it with all your like assignments and like you know your mm. coursework and everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a lot of nights for sure <laughs> right. uh, that we were working on it, um, but we did learn a lot of like good things out of it, like you know. Um, like how to work as part of a team, how to like share like tasks, like things you have, you'd have to do once you join the industry, right? Like if, right. You, have, if you have a team and you're, you know, have a deliver deliverable, like how are you going to go about doing it? Mm -hmm. You have a, like a fixed timeline, um, you know, how do you prioritize certain tasks, etc. Um, so it, it was like pretty useful. Uh, would I do it again? Probably not. <laughs> 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 but it was a good experience. Awesome. So... Yeah, one thing that um, a lot of people told us about you was that you were the first person to do Google Summer of Code back in 2010 from the club. Um, yeah, I was like uh, the first of like three people who mm -hmm. got in in that batch. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was the first year I think we got an acceptance into the program. Awesome. So could, could you like tell us how your experience was um, doing Google Summer of Code back then? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was definitely like a very unique experience for me. I had not done anything like that before. Um, applying to GSOG uh, was almost like, like a, I mean, it seemed like a little bit of a master's application. Uh, you know, put a lot of effort into it and then hope that, you know, some university picks you, mm -hmm. uh, something like that. <laughs> um, 
But um, yeah, I think like uh, the organization that I picked was uh, KDE. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the project that I submitted a proposal to was like Amarok, okay. uh, mainly because I'm really passionate about music. Like I listen oh. to music a lot. And um, since I used to have my host OS as like Linux at that time, most of the time, mm-hmm. um, Amarok was the only way I could actually listen to music. Yeah. And uh, I think the proposal was a feature to browse uh, like music over like a LAN. Um, and I thought that would be a really cool feature because I, I mean, I would just plug in, you know, um, like a hard disk or something in some computer and I just want to be able to access it anywhere in the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought it would be a cool feature. I, you know, submitted a proposal for it and got accepted. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely great to like hear the acceptance, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't realize that that's just the beginning. There's a lot more oh, yeah. <laughs> to do after that. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like um, uh, after the proposal. Yeah, I mean, at least that, that joy definitely comes. Oh, I got like selected. But like after that. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're like, yes, I'm earning in US dollars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's like the best thing yeah that's yeah that's the first reaction and then you're like oh i have to work for this now (laughs) (laughs) right um yeah so uh yeah i think like um it was yeah unique for me as well at the time because i hadn't like you know worked with like a mentor that was Mm -hmm. like you know halfway across the world yeah um so thinking across time zones was challenging and I'd never worked with like a code base that huge. It was like a huge code base. Mm-hmm. So just like understanding like, oh, how bad do I start in this code base? You know, and uh, how do I contribute? Um, like learning to ask the right questions in like the IRC. Yeah, people used to use IRC back then. Like, I don't know if they use it anymore with Slack and things like that. <laughs> it's mostly Discord um, but, servers now. Yeah, Discord servers and Slack. I, I haven't personally seen... <laughs> IRC, but maybe there yeah, are some yeah. organizations that use it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. IRC was the yeah, the original Slack, mm. you know, uh, with very poor security features. Then Slack <laughs> decided to add some security mm. to it, so it, you know, it became popular. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember but, like uh, IRC was. I think we had to kind of create a username and IRC as one of our Amphos tasks. We had like tasks to get into the club, right? So oh, got it. That's yeah. the only time i know what irc that's was that's the only reason i know irc exists yeah exactly that's <laughs> the reason <laughs> uh yeah so like you know uh yeah irc was like the, the you know the thing to do back then mm-hmm. um and that was the hacker channel where all the hackers the cool hackers like hung out uh-huh. um slack basically they just made like a really good ui on top of it yeah. so um, you know, and, and all IRC was hosted over HTTP back then, which is like super insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, having it on HTTPS makes like a big difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I digress. Uh, um, what was the, again, the question? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, you answered it. I mean, it's okay, basically cool. like... Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So did you have any prior experience with open source contribution before GSOC or was that how you like initially got started? Um, I think that was how I got started. Um, I think um, like I would use a lot of open source like projects and stuff like that, but I hadn't made any sizable contribution before then. 
Um, so that was like my first um, real like you know big feature that I added. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious because like as you mentioned, like seeing a huge code base for the first time is like pretty intimidating. Like even I've been there. Like I'm pretty sure a lot of us yeah. in the club have been there. So like how how did you get over that? Did you just like delve into it head first, or like how did you um, get comfortable with that? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of it was like, you know, like all-nighters spend on like, you know, just diving into the code base, like understanding the technology. And a lot of it was obviously asking people, right? Like, I mean, there are people with like tons of experience, like who can just tell you like, hey, just look at this. And, you know, you'd save probably two days of effort by just asking them. Um, So I think like a lot of it was just working with my mentor to understand it better um and like you know doing it step by step like how i could contribute to the code base itself like and even understanding the various technology that was like involved in it um so like going through the docs like i think qt was the framework that was used for the ui part of it like going through qt um understanding uh how it worked go through the samples uh building out like you know um like sample applications and things like that so yeah a lot of groundwork for sure um involved in it mm-hmm. so other than open source contribution we've learned that you've also done competitive coding so <laughs> <laughs> you've done a lot of things so yeah exactly. uh, could you tell us what your icpc experience was like um yeah um so, I mean, I, I've always loved problem solving and I've loved like mathematics and of course programming. So I think competitive programming was just the right combination of all three. Uh, even before ICPC, I would like go to uh, like various like online judges. Like there was one called Spodge. I don't know if it's still there. Um, and then this top, top coder used to be the popular one uh, back then too. So I would go and just solve problems in my free time, really just because I wanted to solve them. <laughs> and then I realized that, oh, okay, there's a contest where you can, you know, do this, like, um, you know, within like a small time frame and like, you know, get prizes for it and things like that. So I think we formed a team and um, yeah, we participated. In, I don't think we did much the first year, um, but I think the second year we went to the regionals or something like that. Uh, I don't even remember what place we got. I don't think it was anything significant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But the good thing was I continued this even in my master's. Like I participated as uh, part of like uh, Stony Brook's uh, ICPC team Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And I somehow qualified for the regionals there too. Um, And uh, I think the closest I got was like eighth place. Um, So I couldn't make it to the world finals or anything like that. (laughs) I mean... Now that you're talking about like how you like problem solving, do you have your own kind of approach to um, problem solving or how you think about a problem when you're um, going about it? Um, I know that's a broad question. Yeah, that's a very broad question. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on what kind of problem, right? Right. Like, um, I mean, I think, I mean, in general, if you look at the, problem solving in ICPC, um, it's usually like, you know, like, I mean, you can come up with a solution to the problem, but does it solve all all corner cases? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So you have to find the corner case that your solution may not work for. Um, so I think uh, part of the problem, is, I mean, is understanding all the various scenarios that you know could affect it, right? Mm-hmm. Like how, um, like how do you compose the test cases for the problem first? Yeah. Um, and then making sure that your solution works for all the test cases. And I think if you think about design, even in the industry, it's pretty much the same thing, which is you have a high-level problem, uh, you break it down into subcomponents, and then you try solving each of them individually. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they come together and you want to still make sure they work. Um, so you do some kind of integration testing to make sure when you combine all those components, they work together seamlessly. Um, so yeah, I think it's generally, it helped me apply this in like various other parts of like my career as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just going to come to that actually. So like beyond, um, competitive programming or ICPC yeah. has, have you been able to kind of use that framework, um, everywhere else to solve any kind of problem for that matter, not necessarily, uh, competitive programming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I I approach life like that. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I treat of, I treat it from an engineering mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, oh, how do I like solve this problem? And then you know, I break it down into <laughs> like individual components and be like, let me solve this first and this and this. Um, yeah, so I think that's my approach to life in general. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's not always the most optimal to look at it from a logical perspective, okay. Um, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I try my best to just you know think of everything as from an engineering perspective yeah. nice so it i had one more question so like you've done open source contribution you've done cyber security you've done competitive coding and like how did you balance all of these because like the preparation for each is so different so how do you manage right. doing all of these um yeah that's a great question <laughs> um i think it's um I think I have a personality where I'm quickly bored by a topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I usually go all in on a single topic mm-hmm. till I know, like, a decent bit on it. And then, like, I, I get comfortable. Like, I'm not learning anything new anymore. It's usually, like, micro increments. So then I'm like, okay, what's the next thing I can learn? Uh, so I switch to, um, like, you know, something different. And again, um, give my full focus and attention to that. Um, and then, you know, again, keep doing that for everything that you don't know, right? So, yeah, I'd say um, just, like, putting your full focus at a single point of time instead of trying to do, like, 10 things at the same time mm-hmm. uh, probably mm-hmm. works better. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, like having that kind of exploring mindset and trying out different things is extremely good, especially for, like, a college student. Um, it's when they're trying to figure out what they're good at and everything. So ensuring that kind of mindset, I think, might really help um, college students in general. Because uh, a lot of the times we tend to hesitate trying out new things. So, right. yeah, that's a, it's a great thing to have. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd say shoot for breadth first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you find a topic that you really go to like, depth, then... absolutely, yeah. Depth for search. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 
we go back to problem solving again <laughs> <laughs> i think like even for a career in tech like you have to have that mindset cuz like everything is exactly. changing so you can't just stick to like you know one tech thing that you're comfortable with and like you need to be comfortable with doing different things yeah yeah and and yeah i can see that like over even the last 10 years of my career like you know there's no part of it where i could just like relax and be like oh i know all these things already you know there's like some new framework coming out every day and you want to make sure you're like you know abreast with that um it could be like you know kubernetes or it could be like you know like um like i don't know what's the latest ui framework is like view or something like that like yeah. there's always some new yeah. framework coming out and you, like i mean it's not always good to be on the latest and greatest mm-hmm. but it's good to know why it exists um so you can like consciously choose not to learn more about it yeah. <laughs> um i'd say a prime example is like cryptocurrency and uh, mm. all the things that are NFTs. happening out there there's just yeah. so much you know happening there and i was really curious i was like what's happening like why are so many people doing this so i spent like i think a week learning more about it um and then i came to the conclusion that this is probably a fad mm-hmm. and you know may not stick around too long mm-hmm. uh, i may be i probably will be wrong um but um th- i mean i, I just, but i still spent some time learning more about it um to understand it a little better yeah i think that's like the process for any new thing that kind of comes and we hear about something and then we like uh, research about it just to kind of get an idea because everything's going to change anyway so going into depth yeah. <laughs> might not necessarily help but yep um, exactly yeah. yeah that's the that's the story for everyone diving into technology but <laughs> <laughs> yep definitely yeah so um eta for this what is how this this experience um being in the club has, has how that how has that helped you um in your career you have touched a bit on like your um speaking skills and presentation skills um but um in an overall picture how has that kind of um helped you reach uh, your career today you you working at google right right now so yeah that's correct yeah so how how has that kind of shaped your um views and mindset <laughs> Yeah, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> um, but I mean, if I were to think about it, I think it I mean, just what you pointed out earlier, the fact that I had a chance to like explore different like, you know, um paths mm-hmm. as such um gave me a lot of options down the line. Um like for example, when I graduated, I could become a security engineer, um I could become a generalist software engineer. Yeah. um i could become a software engineer focused on security um i could even be like probably a database administrator if i wanted to <laughs> like yeah. there's so many like options that i had um so i think uh focusing on being a generalist rather than a specialist uh made it easier for me down the line uh to choose like whatever path that interested me um like i started out as a security engineer for example mm-hmm. um but then i decided that i needed to learn more about like how software was built um in in the industry so i switched to like a software engineering position uh focused more on security mm-hmm. uh because i had the security background and that was uh, very much needed for companies at that point 
uh, and then I switched back into like a security engineering position because I was like, okay, now I know I have a lot of experience in building industry applications. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I go back and take my learnings and help build a more secure framework um, around whatever I've learned? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that that's cool. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I mean, exploring uh, different paths. I think that's also for us as well. Like, we've kind of in these just two years, we've been exposed to so much, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's great. I think. Um, if i wouldn't have done that myself exactly um yeah. and it's because of the club that's kind of given me that kind of exposure i think that yeah, was like, doing it and then we're like oh that's cool let's try that out cool. so like, yeah exactly yeah yeah uh, um yeah i think uh, it, it's good to focus on like learning as much as you can as, as early as you can mm-hmm. um because i think uh uh, Vipin sir uh, talked about this as well, but uh, I think later on you start getting more responsibilities. It's much harder to do that. Uh, so when you have the time to do it, spend as much time learning as you can uh, because you won't get that time back again. Mm-hmm. So Eta, you work at Google, which is like the dream job for a lot of us. So <laughs> could you like tell us what it's like, like a day in the life at Google? Um, yeah, I mean, Google is obviously, you know, a really big company now. Like, you know, like I guess I, I don't know the exact number anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest, like, you know, thing I get from working at Google is working at huge scale. Um, like, you know, like tens of thousands of engineers working on like, you know, like thousands of different products. Mm-hmm. Um so everything that's engineered here is engineered for like huge scale. Um, like for example, even the code base is something called like a mono repository. So it's pretty much all the code that's checked in goes into one giant repository. And then um, you decide how you want to link them together to like ship something mm-hmm. like a binary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like just seeing, you know, the build tools that work on, you know, millions and what billions of lines of code to do this. It's just really humbling, I would say, all the work that's done there. Um, and even from a security perspective, since I work as a security engineer, um, like even though the security engineer to developer ratio is like really small, mm-hmm. uh, probably like one to, I don't know, 5,000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing how... Uh, Google has built various tools uh, to, you know, automate all of this at scale is uh, highly impressive. Um, so, yeah, small things like that, I think, really um, uh, make me appreciate working at Google uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, but I'd say it's still yet another corporate job. <laughs> it's not so much different from working at, like, any other uh, company, too. I mean, I've seen like plenty of videos on YouTube. I don't know if this is about the San Francisco office, but like they have slides and cycles and <laughs> yeah. like a really cool cafeteria and stuff. Like, is this yeah, yeah. Is different? <laughs> so like uh, I joined like during the pandemic, so I haven't oh, had a chance to okay. uh, explore the office as much. Uh, I have gone into the Mountain View office before, and it is really nice. And I've heard the New York office is really good too. Um, 
I, I, in the Seattle office, I, I mean, simple things. I like the massage chair over there. So mm-hmm. at the end of a long day, you just go sit in the massage chair and like, you know, it kind of de-stresses you mm-hmm. a little nice. bit. And of course, having really good food in the cafeteria, like, you know, helps as well. <laughs> so these small perks go a long way. Um, it, it's crazy how engineers are motivated by simple things like this, like swag, you know, <laughs> it's probably, it's not worth a lot, but then you go to such extents to, you know, get swag. It's our incentive. Kind of. <laughs> Every hackathon. <laughs> yeah, we've got to get that swag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. So simple things matter. <laughs> yeah. So how was your, um, how was your, how did you prepare to kind of get onto that path um, to Google? Was that really tedious or um, yeah. was that, how was that path like? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was like a definitely a long like journey for me, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the first time I had applied to Google uh, was for an internship right out of master's. And like, you know, I was, uh, I was rejected back then for a software engineering uh, internship. Um, but I did follow up with the interviewer to get more feedback about like how I could improve mm-hmm. um, and stuff. Um, so that was the first time I applied. Um, after that, um, I did not apply to Google. Um, and I think I did. And the next time was when they reached out to me to <laughs> apply to uh, to Google. Um, so like a recruiter reached out and like, you know, I, I and. I would be dumb to say no, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, b- mainly because uh, I was kind of looking for options at the time yeah. and it turned out that this was a good opportunity uh, for me uh, as a security engineer. Um, so I, yeah, it, it was, I was preparing for, um, I think a couple of months for the interview and then uh, it is a long process, the whole interview. I've heard uh, there are because, like six, are there like six interviews to actually get selected? like how many are there on an average is it like that, um that yeah I, yeah i think like six interviews is pretty common in in tech mm, these days to like get a full-time job uh for sure uh but i think with google the main thing is like uh they have committees for everything mm. um to make sure that the hiring decision is unbiased right. so like you have a committee for your um screening interview uh, where someone else looks at your feedback and gives a rating uh, based on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you get past that, there's like the main interviews. There's a hiring committee for that um, as well. And again, like, you know, it's each interviewer just submitting their feedback. Mm-hmm. And then it's someone else deciding whether you, you know, get to join Google or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way it is pretty fair, but just because of like how many people apply to Google, I think it's just like super lengthy. So it takes at least like three to four months to go from like interview to, you know, getting acceptance into the company. So on that note, like what do you think made you stand out? Because like, I mean, other than obviously an impressive resume, like you think there was some other like, you know, X factor that made you stand out? <laughs> I mean, you would have to ask the interviews that, <laughs> but um, I think uh, I think they they're not trying to make you fail. They're trying to set you up for success. So before the interview, they actually ask you for your areas of expertise. So they give you like you know like 
10 different areas and ask you to rate yourself on those areas from like one to five, like how good you are. Um, and then your interviewers are scheduled so that um, the interviewers are good in your subject area so that they can test your knowledge in them. Mm-hmm. So the areas that I chose uh, were based on my experience, my previous company um, in like identity and like authentication authorization. Um, so I feel like I probably did well in those because it's my like, you know, I've, I spent six years doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a lot of knowledge in that. Uh, but again, they're looking for general uh, problem solving skills, not necessarily like looking for like knowledge based answers. Um, so they, they will give you like a generic problem and see how you kind of approach it, um, which is how you would do in your day-to-day job as well right you're not going to be given a well-defined problem Mm -hmm. you're going to be given like a loose statement and be like okay go solve it Uh, so the question is can you you know figure out how to solve it Uh, so they're just looking at your approach rather than the exact answer Mm -hmm. so in addition to problem solving what are the skills do you think um someone trying to work at google should um have at least build (laughs) Um, I think uh, that I think there is this interview called the googliness interview. Sorry, um, the, the googliness. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's called the googliness okay. interview. Um, it's more of it's kind of like a culture fit interview to see if you would like you know fit into a culture like Google. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it, I think, also has to do with the fact that like, are you like respectful towards other people? Like, yeah. how do you work with other people within a team? Like, how do you handle conflicts um, within team members? Um, so the, all they're looking to say is that you're not a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. because these days, like being a like jerk uh, in tech is not tolerated anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want they don't they want a person who is good at engineering, but they also want someone who is um, a nice person to work with because okay. no one wants to work with you know a jerk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Googliness interview covers mostly that um, through like your own experiences in the teams you've worked with, or if you don't have that experience, they give you hypothetical situations and okay. kind of run you through like, oh, what would you do in this situation mm-hmm. uh, that helps, you know, understand your thought process over there. Right. Nice. Wow. Really cool. Yeah. That's like a nice insight into how that works, <laughs> especially like from the outside, it seems, oh my God. <laughs> It looks so complex, but like you explain really well. So that's nice. Um, yeah. And I mean, you've got to realize that a lot of it is like luck dependent mm-hmm. as well. Um, it depends on like which interviewer you got that day. Oh, okay. Um, like, you know, how good you were that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what the hiring committee thinks of you. Like there's so many variables in the equation that any step can go wrong. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing I learned was like, even if things go wrong, like, you know, it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that things didn't work out. So just try again and you know, right. things will uh, work out in your favor. Nice. Um, so yeah. as we're talking about like all of this, do you have any uh, advice for students um, trying to step into the technological career or trying their hand at technology in general? Any of that kind of advice? Um, 
I think like the biggest advice I can give, I mean, from experience is uh, to make sure that like whatever you're doing, make sure that you're balanced in every part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think early on, you know, I used to think that just being technical uh, is really important. So like I would spend hours and even days maybe like getting a feature out or like coding and you get a really good feeling at the end of it because you're learning something new right. you know you get that euphoria feeling but um if you keep repeating this down the line there will be a point where you burn out uh because you've kind of like taken up a lot of your mental cycles and you have not recharged that in some way mm-hmm. um so i think it's important to not just focus on the tech aspect of it but also on your life aspect of it like find an outlet for um recharging uh it could be like you know going trekking um it could be you know cycling running um even just walking right um find an outlet that actually helps you balance it because that will help you in the long term maintain your um your mental health i think yeah yeah i think that advice is actually very relevant to us considering like the pandemic and stuff like we're all like cooped up in our homes we can't even go to the campus so like we kind of like get stuck in this rut of like doing the same thing over and over again and like i think a lot of us are experiencing burnout now so it's uh, nice to have a reminder to like you know be active take a break sometimes yeah exactly. exactly yeah oh yeah i can't imagine what it would be like to uh, being you know studying and you know and doing this remotely it's yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure it's probably challenging yeah. yeah it has its perks but it it gets tiring after a while yeah <laughs> it's like i never knew that the people or like the friends i'd make at college i'd only see them behind a screen like yeah. <laughs> so like it's yeah it's like it's different so even even about yeah. being in amphos like we've like interviewed so many of like the alumni and stuff and we get to hear about their experiences and like yeah. late nights coding and stuff and like it's we like, haven't been able to experience that yet exactly <laughs> yeah um yeah i hope I, i hope you guys get to um like experience that uh, soon mm-hmm. uh because i think the social aspect is also a pretty important aspect if you can't actually meet in person then definitely you know have some hangouts offline yeah. <laughs> or something to build that yeah. community for sure definitely yeah we hope our college we have like some kind of notice telling us that it may open up but <laughs> it usually doesn't work out but let's see if it works on this time i hope yeah. uh, we can meet we get a chance to meet everyone but yeah yep Um so Ada thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be a guest on our podcast it was actually really interesting to hear about your experiences in the IBM Great Mind Challenge GSOC ICPC and even about your experience in Google so uh I'm sure I speak for all of our listeners when I say it was a pleasure having you on our podcast and we really appreciate it um and thank you for uh, having me to uh, it was great to uh, talk to both of you and also like reminisce on all the memories from like you know uh, christmas past <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here i hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we did hosting it we release our podcasts weekly so don't forget to tune in next week for our upcoming podcast with our next surprise guest 
Happy listening!